0: Several years ago, several years ago, my parents lived in southern Africa. And it was during a devastating drought that one of my dad's friends, Steve, called him, and my dad went over to his place, and they began to load up bags of grain into the back of a pickup truck. For mostly that whole day, they drove to an outlying village, through really almost impassable roads to a village where people were actually starving to death. They began to unload the grain, and some of the people in the village said to them, Why are you doing this? You don't know us. To which they responded, Our God knows you, and he cares for you. When they had finished unloading the grain, one of the elders of that community came to them and said, tell us more about your God, we would like to worship him. They said to him, well, tell us why you'd want to worship him. And they said, how can we not worship a God who feeds our children? Now, I tell you that story, and immediately some of you will say something along the lines of, well, that's it, let's, let's feed the poor so that they'll follow Jesus, so that we can convert them. This morning, I, I want you to catch this subtlety, catch it Clearly. We do not feed the hungry and the poor so that they will follow Jesus. We feed the hungry and the poor because we follow Jesus. That really is a pivotal proof of those who really have committed themselves to follow who Jesus is. Jesus said that there will be that time, there will come that day when the earth will be totally recreated it's worn out and it needs to be recreated and following that he will create a new heaven and a new earth and the new heaven will come down this new Jerusalem and then he describes what actually will transpire when he returns and he creates this new place and we're invited in here's what's going to transpire and Matthew records it but when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit upon his glorious throne And all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and when did we feed you? Or thirsty and gave you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and my sisters, you were doing it to me. And the frightening part of that conversation is then he will look to the goats and he will say, I was thirsty and you did not give me something to drink and I was hungry and you did not feed me and I was naked and you did not clothe me and I was prison and I was sick and you didn't come see me and and I was a stranger you did not invite me in and they'll say when did we ever do that didn't do that for you and he says when you didn't do it for the least of these you did not do it for me see following Jesus is more than saying Jesus forgive me for my sins following Jesus Jesus is loving his kids. And he says, if you don't love them, then you don't love me. And to the, those he said were goats, he said, go away because you don't belong here. About a year and a half ago, I went whitewater rafting with my son Dustin in Alaska on a glacier river. That's, that's the river that's formed from the glaciers melting. And so we got there, and, and so they, they put on us because the glacier water is glacier water. It's cold. So they put us in a dry suit, you just walk into it with all your regular clothes on, and then you zip that thing up, and you bend over to get all the air out, otherwise you look like the Michelin Man, and and, and you you, you lean over, and the air escapes, and and then they seal it off, and they give you a helmet, and they give you gloves, and they give you boots, and then they give you instructions, how you're going to deal with these Class 4 rapids in this freezing river, how to survive, how to stay in the raft, and what to do if you fall out of the raft. And they got done with that. Then they had the audacity to actually put us in the boat and make us go. (laughs) Jesus will not say to us who gather in this place week after week or in small groups, in settings where we get with those who follow Jesus, he will not say, look, I have clothed you with my Holy Spirit. I have given you instructions out of my Holy Scriptures. He will not say, now you don't have to get in the boat. He will say, you have to get in the boat. You've been instructed and you've been empowered. Now get in the boat. I was hungry, feed me. I was thirsty, give me something to drink. I was naked, clothe me. I was in prison, visit me. I was sick, come visit me. I was a stranger and you took me in. Get in the boat, even to the least of these, the ones that you don't really care for or see or actually even want to be with. Get in the boat. Because when you do it to the least of these, what? You do it unto me. So for these next two weeks, we're going to get in the boat. And in doing that, I I, I want to say this. You ladies, you moms, if you knew of some friends who lived across the city, who both, husband and wife, lost their jobs, or maybe it's a single mom who lost hers, and, and you discovered that they don't have any food You would say to your husband, George, if that's his name, need for you to go and get over to Wegmans and get some groceries, and and he'd bring it to you, and you'd start cooking and getting things prepped. And your kids would come home from school, and they'd smell the food, and they'd go, Oh, Mom, that's great. Would you say to them, Kids, the McKillicuddies don't have any food. And so we're going to take all our food and all I've cooked and give it to them. And you don't get to eat for a week. Say, well, that's just ridiculous. Because you've got to take care of home too. So this morning we're going to talk about taking care of home. You know, we've got in your service folder 99 missionaries we support and 38 agencies we support around the world to help the least of these but we've got to make sure that we take care of home it's not either or it's both and And so this morning i've got some friends I want to introduce to you that are taking care of the least of these in this city I want you to hear what they have to say and then we're going to get in the boat today And make a greater impact than ever before in this city So they're going to come out right now and would you welcome them as they come? I hope they come Here we go. So we've never ever done this before. And these people are passionate about what they do. And so the biggest miracle today is not that they're here. The biggest (coughs) miracle is that I'm going to actually get them to all talk short amounts. That's going to be the issue. So we're going to try to help them relax and dialogue a little bit and give you an understanding. But I want to introduce to you who these folks are that are seated here with me. This is John Flanagan from the uh, Director of the International Institute of of Erie. And uh, they help deal with, in fact, I'll just let them explain who they are here in a moment so that I don't get it wrong. okay. This is Pat Quinn Quinn from my father's house. Next to her is Rick Crocker, who uh, formerly was at First Alliance as pastor for 500 years, (laughs) and now the director of the city mission. Clara Ward, who's dealing with youth in the city and Youth Development Center, and you remember her from Extreme Makeover? Yep, she's here this morning. And you have some fans over here. Brenda Newport from the Women's Care Center, that's right. (laughs) Rick Melzer from Bikers Because We Care. (laughs) And Ed Whitbread from SafeNet. So now that everybody's had their fans applaud, everybody (laughs) applaud for all these folks. (laughs) Would you please? So I'm going to start down at this end with, with John. And, and, John, first of all, tell us, tie in uh, what you guys do along with what you see. I'm asking each of these to tell us what they see in Erie from their corner of life. And we'll just head down this direction. So in the midst of this conversation, tell us uh, what you see and what you all are doing to, uh, to meet that need.
1: Great. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Um, again, my name is John Flanagan I'm from the International Institute of Erie. What we do is offer life skills and resettlement services for approximately three, anywhere to 500 uh, refugees annually. Um, What we see as our largest need is people like you who would be willing to volunteer. Um, We have a small case management staff that has to work with all of our clients, our our, our refugees. Um, You know, we've got four case managers for sometimes as many as 500 folks that we're working with at a time and we 're talking about folks who have very very a very high need for just basic life skills. Um, we rely on volunteers to act as host families for for some of our for some of our refugees to help them through their day to day struggle. Um, pretty much anything you could think of that you would take for granted such as flicking on a light switch or turning on your gas stove it's it's foreign to most of our folks. They, they, they have never seen it before. They have no idea. So if you can just take those two little pieces and imagine the difficulty and the confusion that some of our folks have from when they wake up till they go to bed, it, 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 it's daunting for them. So what we do is really look for volunteers to act as host families and, and, and help some of the folks out through their times of need until they can um, reach our goal of getting themselves sufficient. And we try to do that as quick as possible. And most folks that, that we, work with do a really great job.
0: From what parts of the world do we have folks coming in?
1: Any, anywhere you could possibly think of. Right now, um, the majority of our folks come from a small country called Bhutan. Um, it is a small country bordering Nepal and India. Um, we have a large Burmese congregate that comes in as well. Um, our Middle Eastern folks, our Iraqi resettlement is, is very high as well, and we have some folks that come in from Sub-Saharan Africa as well. Those are really the hot spots where, um, where we're settling folks right now. Different than it, from than it was years ago when it was mostly Eastern European countries, we've moved on to a, a, a you know new new groups of people that uh, are looking for a place to call home.
0: And when they show up, what, how much do they normally have with them when they, when they end up landing here? Do they have much?
1: Some might have a suitcase. Um, most don't. Um, we try to make, particularly in the winter, we get a lot of folks coming from warm climates, so it's kind of a shock to come from 90 degrees to come to two feet of snow in the winter. (laughs) Um, So we try to provide a code boot, hats, and gloves for our folks. Um, We do a lot of work with St. Martin Center, um, who provides us vouchers for clothing and things like that. It's our obligation, as our agency, um, to provide all the basic living essentials for for these folks. We find them uh, shelter, we find them apartments, furniture, cookware, food. They, anything you could possibly imagine that you would need to live day to day, we provide for them as well. And we do that mostly through uh, volunteers and donations. We get a small stipend of, of, federal, of, of federal funds to, to resettle, but it certainly is, you know, small in comparison to what they need. So we rely on the community at large to, to assist us with
0: that. Great. Thank you. Sure.
2: Pat. My name is Pat Quinn, and I'm the executive director of my father's house of Erie and i just want to thank you all for just inviting us to just share this this mission this is a god-given mission um that god laid on my heart in 1989. it was a lot of preparation on my part too because god he god deals with us too and prepares our heart and he has prepared my heart to do this and connie which you also know connie miller that is a faithful she's just a faithful partner My father's house is a transitional home for abused women and children. Now, we did take a new initiative, and that was to serve the veteran women that are coming out of Iraq and Afghanistan. And I want to tell a quick, hard story, right, quick here. Um, One of our veterans women was sitting with me at the dining room table at my father's house of Erie. And she was saying, she said, Pat, you know, I just remember, and I do get these flashbacks, being in a hole, holding my rifle, you know, and being on alert. And she, um, she said, being on alert, she just kept saying, being on alert. And she said, you know, even when I detached myself, I thought I did, when I left the service, she really didn't detach herself. She was still being on alert. And she, you know, these women, they are mothers, they, you know, they are, they're wives and all. And then when they come out, the situation, just like our situation sometimes in life, isn't good. So when she came out, she faced some things that wasn't really good and she wasn't ready for it. She was still on alert. She said, I find myself now being on alert. And she was just saying, I thank God that I'm here at my father's house for you to p- keep me on focus. You know, because I want to be. She said she's a Christian, and, but she said she was out of the word for a while. And she wanted to get back into the word. She said, The word I know will sustain me. She said, Even when I lay down and go to sleep at night, I have, to, I have to pray to even sleep, she said, and really focus on the word of God. And she said, even when I get up, it starts a day. It's a new day. But she said she has to get out of her mind that she's on alert. She's in that hole. She feels like she's in a hole, you know, still with a rifle, you know. And those moments like that really reminds us why we are. It's really in touch with our hearts. Why are we in the business we are in? in this ministry. Um, like as I said, My Father's House of Erie is a home for abused women and children. That's who we take care of. And we take care of so many needs with them.
0: Pat, um, one of our elected officials has taken note of My Father's House, and you had an opportunity mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago to do something special. Tell us what that
2: was. Okay. Kathy Dahlkemper, Congresswoman Kathy Dahlkemper, called me one day And she said, Pat, I want, this is an honor to call you because of the work that you're doing in the community. Um, Even my assistant that is my assistant in my office, she just raved about the things that you're doing. You you know, your whole, I'm sort of to say congregation. I'm so used to being in the church. (laughs) (laughs) All your staff is doing. So she invited me to the State of the Union speech. Um, to just to hear President Obama. Uh, and I was excited about that. So
0: and, and did you get to meet the President?
2: Yes I did. Do
0: we have a picture of that? Oh there we are. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: Um, that's not a cutout okay. of him, right? That's no, really no, him. No, that's the real thing. Okay. That's just the real check it. Thing. Yeah. Okay.
2: yeah, and that was such a God thing too. Kathy Doc she, um, she said, Pat, we were in the Capitol at the time. She thought the president had left. And she said, let's go down these stairs and go to this elevator. So we did. We went down the stairs and went to this elevator. We saw all these Secret Service men around and the police. And she said, the president is still here. Let's go into this room. It was right next to the elevator. And here I'm going up into the room with her, and the Secret Service guy, he looked at me and said, I don't know where you think you're going. (laughs) So I bagged back, you know, it's the obedient woman I am. And so, and she said, let's wait here. She said, Pat, would you like to take his picture? And I said, yes, I would like to take a picture with the president. So when they came out, um, Kathy, she she's a phenomenal woman. She's awesome. She, she's real quick, you know, and she said, President Obama, I want you to meet someone. Now, she allowed uh, Erie to be on the map that, in that those few seconds. She um, said to, she introduced us to Michelle also, and she said to him that we have the stimulus packet money and what we're doing for You know, using it in my father's house of theory by serving the veteran women and their children, and their eyes got so big, both of them. And from their body language, I knew that if we had time to talk to them, they would have talked to us. You know, sat down right there and talked with us, but they didn't have the time and all. But it was really an awesome thing, and Kathy said that was God, and it was. Mm, That's great.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great. great. Mm -hmm. Pastor Rick Crocker, tell us what's going on with City Mission.
3: Well, good morning. I, I just want to correct one thing. I was not at First Alliance for 500 years. <laughs> just 490. Yeah. I'm in my seventh week as the executive director at the Erie City Mission, and it's been quite a sea change for me, but one that has been challenging and invigorating to be a part of this great organization that is soon to celebrate its centennial year, 100 years here That's in That's great. Wow. Wow. That, that is great. Yeah. Yep. A little-known fact about the Erie City Mission, uh, it got its beginnings in 1911 after a six-week evangelistic campaign led by the great evangelist Billy Sunday. And there was such a move of God's spirit in our city uh, in that time uh, that there was a group of Christian businessmen that came together and uh, put together the first gospel rescue mission here in Erie. It was located at 11th and Peach in an old German evangelical church. And that's our roots, and we've been holding forth down in the city center ever since. And we praise God uh, for the partnership that we have with Erie First. You've been great partners with us over the years, and we're very, very grateful. Most of you are familiar with what we do at the Erie City Mission. We provide food for the hungry, shelter for the homeless, and we provide hope for those who are living out on the margins of our society. Uh, In particular, we are serving um, men, both through our residential facility in Samaritan Care, but also have a drug and alcohol recovery program. Last year, in 2009, we served 100 men in that recovery program, and God is releasing many of them from the bondage and addiction that they have to drugs and alcohol and gambling and setting them free according to the power of his Holy Spirit. And we see some amazing, uh, miraculous stories happen there every
0: day. That's wonderful. Thank you. Clara, a lot of us folks have seen you on TV know a little bit about what you've been doing, but tell us some more.
4: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Clara Ward with the Youth Development Center. Working with children and adults at risk. We try to save them from drugs and alcohol and all of the bad things that cause them to go bad in their life. We are trying to change their mode of thinking. We're trying to get them to think positive about the future and what they can do to change the way they are living now. It is so sad to look out and see the non-interested parents, some of them, not caring enough to get involved with their children. And that is one thing we really need is to have the parents get involved with the children, look after those children, and see where they're going, where they're coming from, and talk with them, and let them know that you love them. Those are the major things that's happening in our world today. If we can make that, we have accomplished much. Now, we, we don't have too much time to talk about all of the things that I could talk about. <laughs> I know there are many things and many incidents and many children that I could talk to you about right now. But I won't, I won't bore you with all of that. You can look in at Clara's Way and you'll see the whole story of my life when I was born, raised, and where I live now. I was an abused person, and that's why my mission is to see that no children go abused, that nobody misuse or neglect a child. I try so hard to reach out to all of the children that need my support, and I ask the parents to join me in that goal of making a difference and keeping them in school. And keeping them focused on the right money. We also have, if I say this, we have a towel rack in the lobby back there which we are doing promotions for to raise monies to help us to feed these children, to help us buy the clothes that they need or whatever these children need we try to supply that. And then we also ask you as individuals To see what you can do to help somebody, there is something that maybe you don't no longer need that you can help somebody with. You don't have to give it to me, give it to people that you know. Give it to somebody to help these children, because some of them don't have a bed to sleep in, as you saw on TV, and some of them don't have decent clothes to wear. Now, I guess I'd better hush before you guys walk out on me. <laughs> thank you for allowing me to come here.
0: Thanks, Clara. <coughs> Brenda, we welcome you. Tell us about Women's Care Center. Well, the center was founded with
5: the purpose of being able to rescue young men. As Proverbs 24 tells us to rescue those who have taken taken.
0: Let me just stop you. Can you hear out there? All right. Somebody wanted to thank you, Thank you, Dan.
5: Um, It's on. It's on? Yeah.
6: Can you
5: hear me? No, I'll
0: get you a mic. What mic would you like her to have? Jenny's mic. Is it over here? Jenny has the mic. (laughs) Thank you. We need to get this back to Jenny because she's singing at the end or you're singing. (laughs) Jenny would be getting it back.
5: I promise, the Women's Care Center was founded for the purpose of, should I get it away Just from to hold,
0: they'll, they'll control it. You get it right up there. I'm sorry? Put it right there. They'll control it.
5: Okay. <laughs> Let's start all over. The Women's Care Center. I am the executive director and I have been for 25 years. I love the work that God has called me to do. It is to rescue the unborn. As Proverbs 24 tells us, we are to rescue those who are being taken away to death. And the way we rescue the unborn is by loving the mother, the father, and the family of that baby. We are able to do medical intervention, counseling intervention, sonogram intervention. And when I can bring the realities of what the baby's life will be, the blessing of a child, then the life of that child will be spared, abortion. We also are there to help those women who have gone through the travesty of abortion and their hearts are broken. We bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ and forgiveness in Him. We also have been given the opportunity to have an adoption agency that God has really prompted in my heart to do open adoption for those who choose life but aren't quite yet prepared to raise a child. And that baby then can be a part of someone's yearning and prayers that they have been praying that someone might consider them. we talk to a young woman who is in a pregnancy, unplanned, undesired, unwanted, frightened. We do everything we can to take the fear out of that situation. We try to offer her whatever she needs, whatever that is and sometimes they tease me about offering college education fully fully paid whatever it takes we're going to do that to save that baby God has also opened the doors of the schools to us to bring education to the young people of our community public schools and in that opportunity we have an education that helps young people avoid high-risk behavior bringing truth to the counseling room to the classroom We want to do all of those things to bring truth as Christ brought truth to us. We want to speak truth to the young people, to their hearts, to encourage them. You ask what we see in the community. Over the years, I've watched and I've seen the breakdown of the family, and it has just perpetrated such brokenness and such need in the young people. These young women are desperately wanting someone to love them. They may be in a single-parent home. They may... Not know what love is they don't know what marriage looks like we have a marriage celebration coming up to Promote marriage as what it is a beautiful institution by God designed by God And we try to bring a message in the classroom to young people to let them know what love is and what it isn't And by doing that we hope to spare them the unplanned pregnancies the disease and the different kinds of things that can Rob them of their goals and their future plans Thank you. You're welcome.
6: Big Rick. Good morning, church. Uh, my journey started here right about nine years ago when I came here to help organize a motorcycle rally. And at that time, I met Pastor Jack for the first time, and he says, You know what? I think we're on to something here motorcycle ministry. And uh, I looked at him, smiled, and said, Yeah, good luck. See you later. And, uh, you know, first of all, I'm glad, glad to say I did dress up for this today. You know, I know you guys will all be here. Um, The best thing that ever happened to me was to get connected. I was out of touch for many years. I connected with this church. Uh, I have my friends over here that are all part of CMA, Christian Motorcycle Association. And this is not an I project, this is a we project. We together through CMA, Christian Motorcycle Association, and this church have learned that there's a lot of places that we're not wanted as Christians, that there's a lot of places they tell us we shouldn't be as Christians. So as the Bible tells us in Ephesians to put on our armor, as Christian riders, we put on our armor every day. We go into the places we're not wanted. We go to the motorcycle rallies and the different places that uh, we find people that are disfranchised, lost, and that just need a good word that maybe are clinging on to a Bible or or bottle, I'm sorry, instead of the Bible and clinging on to the things that of myself was even my past. And uh, we go into these places. We put on our armor every single day and uh, we'll talk to anybody that'll listen, and we will share the word of Jesus Christ and just keep on going until there's not
7: uh, a person that needs us anymore. Great, thank you. Ed? Good morning. I'm the Vice President of the Board at SafeNet, therefore I'm a volunteer, not staff. Uh, SafeNet has been providing shelter and support programs for victims of domestic violence for 35 years. Domestic violence is a very difficult subject to talk about. Uh, It involves one person seeking to totally and absolutely control the life of another person. And it's very easy at this point to wander into statistics and tell you why this costs you a lot of money, which it does, but frankly, beating somebody up is a very personal sin. I'd like to address it in that fashion this morning. So for the next 60 seconds or so, each person in this sanctuary is a resident of SafeNet, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about what brought you to this place. It's very likely that you are up close and personal with the results of alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, It's not absolute. You do not have to be a drunk to be an abuser but there is a very high correlation between the two. Uh, It's likely that you've seen police officers come to your door more than once. It's very possible that you spent half an hour, 45 minutes an hour, sitting in the back of a patrol car while those same officers handled what is probably the most volatile and unpredictable and sometimes dangerous call that they make in the course of a week. You have seen or you have experienced emotional, physical, and maybe sexual abuse. You know what an emergency room looks like because you know what it sounds like and you know what it smells like because you've probably been there a couple of times. Uh, You know what a protection from abuse order is, and you also probably know that it is quite often violated. But now you're living at SafeNet. You're living in shelter and you have some security, but you are still living in a crowded environment. We are proud of our facilities. They are modern. They've just been renovated. But you may be sharing a home built for six or seven people 40 years ago with up to 27 people plus staff, which means it's likely that You will be sleeping in a bedroom with people you've never seen before in your life. Uh, There is one last thing that I need to tell you about yourself. You're seven years old. You're not there because you made poor choices or you fell in love with the wrong person or that you're in denial about a kind of relationship. You are literally along for a bumpy and horrific ride. Fifty percent of the residents at SafeNet and any other domestic violence shelter will be 11 years old or younger. That's half of the people that we shelter, and we shelter about 400 people every year. Um, We also provide non-shelter services for another 2,500. And our mission can be summed up in the room we're sitting in, Sanctuary. Thank you. So if,
0: if you all could just grab the people of Erie by the lapel and just say, do you get it? Here is the need. Because you see, so I, I, I dare say that most of us in this place have no idea all this stuff's going on. I mean, we drive, we drive down French Street and we see, we see the city mission and, and there's no connection because that's not us. Most of you folks out here live in the suburbs. We're talking about some issues, inner city, but what you're talking about, Ed, is a cross-section. And so we're not even aware of of the private lives. If you could grab us and say, be aware and understand the pain and the suffering. I'm just going to open it up and just say, what would you be saying to us today? And I'm just going to, no order, just let's dialogue a little bit. What would you be saying to us that we'd, we'd, we'd get a clue and, and start to do something. And so tell us how we understand that and then what you need us to do. So just whoever.
3: I think we're becoming more aware uh, and I'm encouraged by that. Uh, a week or so ago, Erie Together, the United Way sponsored a poverty forum, uh, two of them, a daytime and an evening time. The turnout was tremendous, focused on the issue of poverty in our area. Uh, there's been a lot of information conveyed over the last months about Erie being one of the poorest cities in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Currently 24.2 percent of people here in the Erie region live below the federal guideline for poverty. And so I think that we're beginning to get a clue, but now we have to take that information and turn it into action. And that's where the rubber really meets the road, and and I appreciate the opportunity for all of us to tell our stories. because. Here's an opportunity for, for all the good folk at Erie First to get involved and, and to take action.
0: Okay, so here we sit. What, we go out of here today. What do we need to go to do right now? What, do you, what would you say to these folks? Here's, here's the first step. Do this. What, what would you tell us?
3: I would encourage, first of all, prayer, to pray for every one of these organizations and the other nonprofit agencies in our region that are serving this wider community. They need your prayers. We need the power of God to break the shackles of poverty and the bondage that people are living in.
5: Thank you. Thank you, Pastor and Executive Director. We need your prayers because we have set our tent at the gates of hell, if you will. When we're talking about saving lives, we are confronting an enemy of life at the center We will see over, we'll have 8,800, 9,000 visits this year. Every year we have close to 9,000 visits. That's a tremendous number from our community that are seeking help in pregnancy crises or need for relationship counseling. So when we are in that counseling room every single day and we have a 24-hour service to the community, when we're in that counseling room, we are fighting the enemy of life. And I know it. And we pray for God's anointing to come on the women who are choosing life or death and their families who are pushing them toward life or death. And so I do covet those prayers. And the other thing I would ask the people to be is a good witness of the love of Christ. I meet with an awful lot of young people who have never seen love portrayed, marriage lived out successfully. They've lost all hope for it. And one young couple came in from Warren for for counseling in regard to their pregnancy. And the young man said to me, I live with her family. I said, well, where is your family? He said, gone. Father abandoned him very early in life. Mother was in drug and alcohol and was incarcerated. He said, but I live with her family and they took me in. And it's the first time I've seen a marriage that I could admire. And he was asking, he said to me, what does a baby need? I said, like in a word, (laughs) everything, and stability most of all. So they're going to try to decide whether they can bring stability for this baby's life or whether they're going to choose adoption for stability for the baby's life. But prayer is ultimately our need.
0: Okay, Ed, your.
7: I came on the board of SafeNet because somebody asked me to. I, I stayed on the board because I spent an afternoon working with an amazing woman, Helen Klauck, who volunteered at SafeNet up in almost to the day she died. Um, I I worked the intake section that particular day. Nothing replaces personal contact. Uh, If you truly have a desire to help people, you've got to go out and walk in the door. Not every place will fit your needs or your abilities or your desires, but there are seven organizations up here and there's a hundred more out there and someplace there's a home for you. Um, So essentially the first step is getting off the couch and going out and doing it. That's good.
6: That's exactly what I was going to say. Get involved. You know, I have people come up to me all the time and say, well, I don't ride a motorcycle. We do so much more than just riding our motorcycles. We're involved with... uh, through here alone, the singles group and different things like that that we go into and team up with the city mission and whoever else and do go on the safe net motorcycle ride and such. But just get involved, you know. I've, I've seen too many times people just say flat out, well, geez, you know, I'm going to pray about that and whatever. Get off your feet. Get on your feet and get off your seat and get going because there are so many places in this city that need us. And, and I've seen more and more than ever. And just as a group... We keep grabbing more people from other groups and just saying, okay, if we go do this, we can go feed the homeless on the 4th of July. And if we go do this as a group, we can go help out here or whatever. Just get busy. You don't need money, you know? I mean, it's time. It's, you know, I know everybody says, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time. You got time to help somebody, flat out. You got time to help somebody, get going.
0: That's good, Claire.
4: And we do need a lot more. We need you. When you see children fighting or whatever, stop and assist them in breaking it up. Don't just allow our kids to go wild on the streets and doing any and everything. If an adult, will stop and, and stop the children and stop the fighting, stop the bullying. Help get involved. Parents, get involved with your children. Give these, let's build those kids self-esteem. They have no self-esteem. They are left at home by themselves. They are locked out after school. The parents are saying, go home or go play, whatever, because we don't have time for you. We want to tell these kids that we love them. We love you. Put your arms around them and say, we love your children. Don't turn away. Don't turn into the bad person that we see every day on TV. Don't turn into this criminal that's tearing up the world. We want your help. We want your prayers. And we want your love. That's what these children want. They don't want to be neglected and left out. They are abandoned. They don't have nobody. You have to say and let them know we love them, and we do care. We care. It's, it's sad. It's
0: good.
2: And um, because of the cuts in the funding at the state level and even the federal level, um, we don't have enough money even to hire staff, and we do need volunteers. Yeah. We need to volunteers to come aboard and to help us. More than just two hours, we appreciate even an hour, half an hour, but more than that, there's, in, in the shelters, I know they they spend like a whole day there with, you know, with the residents and helping them and stuff, but your, with your skills, too, we do. We need that, too. Yes, we need money. We all need money because you know you need money to sustain, but volunteering is great. And in this church, there's a lot of volunteers that come to my father's house and help, and other churches, too. But... We do. We need that, and most. I know you've heard, like nonprofits. There's a lot of non non you know volunteers that help, you know, out, and so we do need that.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the
1: theme of the day really is, is volunteering. Um, you know, like like everybody here said, m- money's important, but it's not nearly as important as volunteering and helping our folks build a sense of community for themselves. I mean, you, you have to understand our folks may not necessarily be here because they want to be. They, they had to leave their homeland because it's either leave or die. Um, and the, 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 the government of this country is good enough to resettle about 80,000 of these folks here a year. Most of our folks are, are extremely giving and caring people. And what we really try to do and help them with is build a sense of community because, quite frankly, they, they didn't have it in their homeland, and, and we want to give it to them here. And, and the only way to do that is, is through volunteer and helping and helping them build that sense of community.
0: Very good. A couple of things I want to say. First of all, we did, we talked about prayer. They talked about prayer. So I'm just going to make an executive decision because I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Jason, where are you? You're right back there. We're going to get these folks and they're details from them and we're going to get this into our small groups and every small group is going to take one of these people and start praying for them every time they meet together and into our necessary groups and if you want to be praying for some of these folks tie in give a call to Pastor Jason and let's get this thing mobilized are you, are you good for that? okay and, and we know we have just walked through this we know that fasting helps us pray clear clearly and releases power in a way we don't know. So I'm going to encourage you as you pray for them that you take a meal. In fact, why don't you just take a meal a week and just pray for one of these agencies and we'll see what God does. Uh, I have some friends in Washington, D.C. who pray. They, They get together and they pray every week over certain places in the world and they made this statement. They said, it's an amazing thing what God can do if you commit yourself to pray for one place for 20 years. Can you imagine so please do that. Secondly, in a few moments, these folks are going to go off stage and they're going to be back in the lobby and they're going to all be by tables. And they're going to have some sign-up sheets in front of them. You've got to get out there and you've got to just go to wherever you sense that you need to go or a couple of them and then just talk with them. But give them your name and your phone number or your email address. And when they contact you, don't ignore it. Or they'll call me and tell me.
7: Laughter
0: Can you imagine that if everybody in this place volunteered for something, what an incredible difference that would make to the least of these. For when you didn't help the city mission, you didn't help Jesus. When you didn't help SafeNet, you didn't help Jesus. When you didn't help Claire's way, you didn't help Jesus. And down the line, and and you say, well, don't put me on a guilt trip. I'm not. Jesus is. Those are his words. So we've got to do that. We're going to wrap this up, so I just, I just need to ask you, is there something that we didn't ask you or something that I should have asked you or something you just want to make sure you get said before we, uh, we clear you off this platform this morning? Just anything else?
5: May I ask, just for a moment, I want to thank the children at this school, at Erie First, in the school, at Leadership Academy. There are some little prayer warriors that have been praying for the babies, and I want to tell you that that has been precious to my heart and to God's. The anointing that has come over the counseling room, I noticed it, and I didn't know where it was coming from, and then I found out that there were these children praying for us, and lives were being saved like never before. So I just want to thank the children. I don't know that they're here this morning, but when you see those little kids that are our prayer warriors, thank them.
0: That's great. Clara?
4: And I want to say thank you to the whole city of Erie for my beautiful home.
7: Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: And I
4: thank, I thank Linda Kemper's family for nominating my family to be that person. And,
0: and Linda's family's here today? Linda
4: Kemper. Linda's here? Yes, she Linda, did. stand
0: up. Just stand up your family. Thank you so much.
3: I think a lot of people in Erie have the mistaken notion that the Erie City Mission only ministers to homeless men. And that could be uh, nothing farther but from the truth. Uh, We are serving families every day at our public meal, 365 days a year. We see children and youth and and parents and grandparents and senior citizens. We serve 21,000 families at our Family Care Center on French Street. We've distributed tons of clothing. and, And it's not just homeless men that we're dealing with. And I just want to correct that notion because it's really a much wider scope than just homeless men It's great thank you
1: I just wanted to thank the opportunity for actually being allowed to speak here today a lot of people don't realize it but not as long as a city mission but we've been in business for we just celebrated our 90th anniversary so we've been doing this for quite a long time and it's not always so well known in the community it's a very small portion of it but
6: we again everybody at this institute, thanks you for, for allowing us to come thanks on. john i just ask everybody please get involved you know, we all say that, you know, we want to help. Just do it. Just get involved with one of these organizations and through your own church or whatever it is, but just get involved. There's so many people out there that don't know about Jesus and they need to know his name.
0: It's good. Well, here's what I want to do, and I hadn't planned on doing this, but I'm going to ask our elders to get ready, and I need somebody with some anointing oil. And, and so some of you that are here this morning, our guests, we in this church believe that there is a scriptural pattern that when people are set aside for something that God wants done, very often they would put oil on them, representing God's anointing, uh, the setting aside for something very specific. So I'm going to ask our elders to come and their spouses, and we're going to gather behind these folks, and I need one of our elders to just walk down and anoint each of these uh, right on the forehead, and then we're all going to pray here together, and then we're going to wrap this up together. But we want to, these folks are God sent, and they have a calling on their lives that we honor this morning. And so we want to pray for protection in their family and the resources that they need and effectiveness in their ministry. I need the staff, too. You guys get get up here. Come on. And so, uh, who's got oil? Cindy, in just a moment, I'm going to have you go down through here. I just want to make sure everybody gets somebody to pray with them. So in a moment, I'm going to have you stand, and that is not your cue to leave. We have cameras. We will get your picture. But I want you to join us in prayer, and you can't, we can't get everybody up here, but if you'd like to just have a sense that you're touching these folks too, just stretch out a hand in just a moment, and we're going to pray for them, that, that God will certainly set them apart uh, and protect them in the ministry to which he's called them. So would you stand, and Cindy, would you just go right down here and just anoint them in Jesus' name. So, Father, here we are anointing our friends. We are we are together in this, and I thank you for the calling. These folks have sacrificed so much. And we have joined together to be a strength to them and to to have this divine synergy take place. So we ask you for protection on their families, on them, on their staff, because they're in the front lines, and the enemy does not like what's going on. They are expressions of your love, so we set them apart for the ministry to which you have called them. We ask that you provide the volunteers and the resources and you will unite them together into one focus, into one target, and we will see this city changed. We ask that your Holy Spirit will go deep into them. You'll hear the deep desires of their heart. You will bring them closer to intimacy with you and they will have profound impact on this city and on this region. So we, as your church family, set them apart. We anoint them and say "Let your divine anointing, giving them divine ability and divine authority to function in the realm you've given them. And even from this moment, may they see things come easier. May resources come easier. May effectiveness come easier. And may they connect more and more with the people who are hurting. And may the people that are hurting be changed even quicker. Because your church family has prayed that. And you told us that as we move forward, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. So we give you thanks for that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you're in agreement, say amen. 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 Would you tell these folks one more time how much you appreciate that? I'm going to let you be seated we're going to have these folks take off this way and you all go back down to your seats we've got some new friends today don't we yeah. So you're listening to all this and, and you're saying, Yeah, but, but I'm stretched economically and and you're saying, Boy, my schedule's full. Well, here's what happened when Jesus looked out after he'd been teaching all day and saw about twenty to twenty five thousand people, he said to his disciples, Go feed them and they said, Whoa, we got nothing. How can we feed these people? He said, what do you have? And so they found those fish and those loaves They said, "It's all we've got. And Jesus said, now watch. And he multiplied it. See, that's all we've got to do. We've just got to say, what do I have? And, and I'll give that and Jesus will multiply it. So I dare say that most of you in this place can give up a burger. Don't have to go buy that new pair of pants. You can, you can do something. So so. You know, I was talking to some folks the other day, and I said, you know, the rumor is that here at Erie First Assembly, the rumor in the city is that we have a bunch of rich people. I said, no, we don't. We have a bunch of just regular people who are really generous when Jesus lays it on their hearts. So here's what I want you to do. When we conclude, in just a moment, I want you to head out into that lobby. It'll be crowded, so if the tables are crowded, just hang around and talk to other people, but get to the table and talk to those folks, because you can give some time. You may have to give up something else, but remember, Jesus... This is not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. Jesus will say to us, I was hungry and you fed me. Or he'll say, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. He's going to ask the question. And so if you have to give up a slot of time here to go help at SafeNet, then go do it. Because it will make a profound impact. Secondly, secondly, we're going to take an offering in just a few moments and as a regular tithes and offering along with what I want you to do is I just want you to, to give this morning and take an envelope and just write it to the least of these. Now don't take your tithes, cross it out and put the least of these because the moment you do that it's no longer a tithe. It's an offering and Jesus wants his tithe. You say, but I don't have a whole lot. Well, what do you have? Just, just whatever you've got. And so this morning as you give, we're going to be able to then to give to agencies like you've heard this morning more than we have in the past. And also in your service bulletin or your services folder, you're going to find a card like this next week. We're going to collect these. You see, we've got 99 missionaries who are helping to the least of these. We've not even heard from, here this morning, and 38 agencies. And this is sustainable. It's not just an offering today. It's you saying, Jesus, I, t- I trust that you're going to put in my hand $20 a month that I can give towards those people. And, and so I'm going to ask you to come prepared to do what we call a faith promise next week. Everybody can do something. Whether it's a dollar a month, or a hundred dollars a month, or a thousand dollars a month, everybody can do something. And if you can't be here next week for some reason, then you can do this today. But I'm asking families to just say, what can we do? What do we trust that Jesus will do? And we're going to do it together for the least of these. So if you can't do it next week, then you can do it today. But we want to take care of these folks today by helping agencies such as these, even with with the equipment and the finances they need, and then along with that, our time to the least of these. We can do something. So if you prepare yourself to do that, again, if you're going to give to the least of these, just put it in an envelope and write on there, to the least of these.